0: I was, clear, yeah, I, was, I was clearing it under my bed, <laughs> but I appreciate the mention anyway. That's a, how are we tonight, church? Are we okay? Good, good, good. It's good to be with you. It is generally a privilege. We're going to have Abraham just play the keys for a little bit, just because I want to set the tone of where we're going to go tonight. It's Pentecost Sunday. What a day. What a day that we remember, you know, but it's for us today as well, isn't it? It's not just for then. It wasn't just for all that, all those years ago, but it's for today as well. It says this in Acts 2. If, you, if you've got your Bibles, I'm going to go rapid speed through some verses, so you're going to have to do your level best to keep up with me, but um, I think you'll be all right. It says this in Acts 2, verses 1 to 4. It says, On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place, and suddenly there was a sound of heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them, and everyone present listen to that, everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them ability. I want to see this evening that everybody present be filled with the Holy Spirit again. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't really, to be honest, I don't care if you came in this morning and you heard the same message and you received some of the Holy Spirit then, is I believe there's more. I believe there's always more. There's always more for you. So if you, if, if you were in this morning and you had a bit, there's more for you this evening. And you know, there's more for you this evening. If you if you didn't have a bit this morning, there's loads for you tonight. There's loads for you tonight. That's what that's the itinerary really. That's where we're going. I'm going to talk a bit about the Holy Spirit. I'm going to talk a bit about His character, a bit about His nature, a bit about how we can have relationship and what our relationship with Him should look like. And then we're just going to give Him some room. You know, we're just going to give Him some space just to come and you know just fill this place, to come and fill the room that we are sat in tonight. No, in his presence, as his goodness, his faithfulness, his love, his forgiveness, his kindness. In his presence, we see breakthrough into situations that have been needing a breakthrough for a long time. We receive power. We need some power tonight the power to make a difference, to take out of this place and move into our communities. I love the fact at Pentecost, that it started in a room, it started in a room of believers just like this, but it didn't, it wasn't contained in that, because it spilled out onto the streets outside. Who knows, the street outside here needs some of the Holy Spirit, doesn't it? The streets that you live on need something of the Holy Spirit, and you can be that vessel, that's what we see, the Holy Spirit, because we're going to over, I pray that we overflow out at the end of this. That we go into our communities. That we share joy. That we just share all the things of the Spirit. His goodness, His faithfulness, His kindness. It says in Acts 1.8, you probably know it. You, know, you'll, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Let me be specific. You know, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you'll be witnesses in Exmouth, throughout Devon, throughout the UK, and to the ends of the earth. That's for you. That's for you. Sometimes we read the Bible and we're like, yeah, 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 that's cool. That's for Peter. You know, and that's for the other, the other disciples. But no, it's for you today. That's your call as well. We've been talking the last couple of weeks about making a difference. What does it look like to make a difference Simply just being filled with the holy spirit you want to make a difference in your community you must be filled with the holy spirit we need his spirit we need his spirit we stand with me let's pray together so let's be active i love to be active because this is not just about me this is about us as a collective yeah we're going in together we're journeying together this evening so what i want you to do is if you're willing we just raise your hands to heaven and as you do that, I just want, because, and the reason I want you to do that is, lift them as high as they go, and really lift them out, because what I want you to do is, I want your body and your spirit to align in a position of openness before the Father, that tonight, whatever he's got for us, that we're just willing to receive it. So Holy Spirit, we pray, will you come, will you come in, your, in, just, in such wonderful power, God, whatever, whatever that we're, we're struggling with, or whatever we've brought in tonight, it will be put to aside for a minute, And we'll just be focused on receiving your Holy Spirit. Give us ears to hear what you've got for us. Let us not walk out of this place unchanged. And so Holy Spirit, we just say we come. Just come. Make it your own prayer. Just pray it to God yourself. Just say, Holy Spirit, come. Spirit, come. We need your presence, Jesus. We need your presence, Jesus. For today is for tonight.
1: Mm,
0: Jesus, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. And Father, we thank you. We thank you that your presence goes before us. Your presence has filled this room. And now we just calm as people, ready to receive what you've got for us through this word. We honour your word this evening. We know it's good. But we just open ourselves up completely to what you've got. Let it be just your agenda tonight. Let it be your will. Let it be your kingdom that comes and meets us powerfully through the power of your Holy Spirit. We pray that in Jesus' wonderful, wonderful name. Amen. Amen. It's good, isn't it? Thanks, Abe. Holy Spirit is so good. He's so gracious. You know, I generally just, whenever I get the chance to be in his presence, it's a wonderful experience. It really is. A slight change of tact a little bit. We're going to come, I'm going to talk about Holy Spirit all the way through. I'm going to talk about some metaphors of the Holy Spirit because I love pictures and I love being, I'm I'm really an image-based learner. So I want to talk through some of what the Bible paints as sort of metaphors of how we can sort of understand the character of the Holy Spirit and what it means to have a relationship with him. But before we get there, I just wonder, have we got any roller coaster fans in? Anybody a fan of roller? Put your hand up if you're a roller coaster fan. If you like a roller coaster? That isn't me. I'm not a roller coaster fan. I really don't enjoy roller coasters. And I'll be honest with you, when I go to a theme park with roller coasters, my favourite part is the queues. Now I'm one of those guys. that sit, Sort of everybody else is like, oh, this queue's taking ages. I'm. Like, it's taking ages. Because I, I know this. The longer I'm queuing the less time I'm spending on the ride. You know, so I've worked that out as much. When I go to the theme park, I've designate, designated myself a special role, self-appointed. I call myself the bag man. I call myself the bag man because basically, because I'm, I'm not a big fan of the roller coasters, a bit scared. Um, what I do is I like to take responsibility for all the other people who like to go on roller coasters. I'll, don't worry, guys. I'll look after your bags. Because then it gives me a special job to do. Yeah, it makes me feel less of a wimp for some reason if I say I'm a bag man. I'm not just a, I'm just afraid. So yeah, don't worry. I'll, get, I'll take. I'll, I'll keep keep safe your belongings, your personal items. Because the worst thing in the world is when you go on a roller coaster and your phone falls out of your pocket and you've lost sort of like three hundred, four hundred pounds worth of phone there. So people are happy to pass their bags over and let me sit at the bottom of the ride and just i watch the rides go by really. And I've realized that there's this weird mutual agreement in place between myself and the people who like to go on roller coasters. This mutual agreement is basically that they know that they want someone safe to look after their belongings. So they don't tease me too much. Because if they tease me too much about being a wimp and not going on roller coasters, then they would know I'd be peer pressured into going on roller coasters. And then they'd have nowhere safe to keep their belongings. Because if you've ever been on a roller coaster, just before you get on, what you do is, if you don't have a bag man like myself, you know, a sturdy, reliable bag man who would keep safe your belongings. You pass over to some bloke called Jeff who works on the roller coasters. He looks like he's had a tough life. You know, and you pass over your iPhone 6 and your wallet with 50 pounds in it because we know that's how much it costs for a portion of chips at one of these theme parks. Have you ever been to one? Like, you won't get any change off that either. You know, you pass over your iPhone 6 and your, your wallet full of 50 quid, you know, and, you, and they sling it in this hole and everybody's got this concern. You know, you pass over your iPhone 6, you pass over your 50 quid in your wallet, and you get back some bloke called Gavin's bus pass and a half eaten Kit Kat Chunky, don't you? And you just you have that fear of being short-changed. You know, you pass over it's this your valuables, and you get back sort of naffle, and you're like, oh, blind, so it's safer to have a bag, man. And I, I remember that about this time last year, I went to uh, Alton Towers, probably sort of the best theme park, maybe a bit of maybe arg- arg- might be some argument about that, but the best theme park in the U.K., um, and I, I was in, you know, I was bagmanning. I remember we went on, and for the first bit, I felt a bit pressure to go on a ride, so I thought I'd better do at least one in the day. So I started off with one, and it was one of a big, nice, long queue, and I was like, yes. And this big, long queue took ages. I think we waited for about an hour and a half, and we got right to the front of the door where you're about to go in, and somebody on the, who'd just gone just before us his watch had fallen off whilst on the ride. And so they had to stop the ride, and everybody else was like, oh, Oh no! I was there praising the Lord because I was like, more queues. We're going to be waiting longer. Thank you, Lord, you've come through for me again. Um, and you know, I eventually get on the ride. It wasn't too but It was one of the nicer ones. Spend the rest of the day watching the bags. And so we get towards the end of the day, and there's this rider on the towers called Rita, and it's essentially a rapid. It's, do you know it? Simon, do you know that? Yeah, it's a good. It's a good one. It's a it's a good one. Well, I say it's a good. One. I'm not really a roller coaster. Expert, but it was alright. And but we got to the end of the day, and I thought I saw the sign. It said Rita. It said average time of ride 13 seconds, average queue an hour. And I was like, this is a perfect ride for me. I can manage 13 seconds of pain for an hour worth of queuing. and That's the sort of right ratio I like. And so we were sort of waiting on the ride. And Rita basically is what you do is you sit on this little cart, and like it just chugs forward a little bit. It stops, doesn't it? Like all roller coasters do. And you think that's a bit boring. I thought be better than that. And then what does he do? It shoots you forward, and it shoots you forward from naught to 60 miles per hour in 2.5 seconds, and you go, and that's the end of the ride. And you know, and you get off, and I, I remember getting off, and, and you know, having the, the post roller coaster feels, you know, the feelings of like, oh, adrenaline pumping around your body, the goosebumps. You know, I've come off, being, oh, I too, you know, I wasn't you know, I kind of enjoy, I kind of enjoy that a little bit. You know, I kind of got something out of that. And somebody, there was a scarier ride. We walked past on the way out. And was just about as we were about to leave. And the bus was we about to leave. And was, oh, I reckon we could squeeze in this one, Josh. What do you reckon? I was like, maybe next time. You know, I just walked past quickly on the head. Get, get out. Get me out. Yeah, but, you know, I managed two rides that day. So uh, I don't think it's much of an achievement. But yeah, I mean, it is for me. So. And I think sometimes in our, in, our, in our church lives, we can often so, t- sort of treat the Holy Spirit a bit like a roller coaster. What I mean by that is that we can kind of come into church on a Sunday and we can sort of like have a good time and we can worship. And during worship, we sort of like feel the spirit. We get the goosebumps. Maybe we get the shakes. And, you know, it's good. And then we can walk out sometimes unchanged. And it's just like a roller coaster. It's an experience. But actually, you know, the Holy Spirit didn't just come for Pentecost. He didn't just come for us to experience at Pentecost a one-time deal. He's come for a relationship. He wants a relationship with you. He doesn't just want you to have a once a week, woo, and you walk out the place high-fiving each other, chest bumping, and it wasn't that a good time, and you walk out, and you just don't do anything about it. It's about getting up on a Monday morning when life's a bit tough, and actually you don't want to go back to work, and it's asking him to come and fill your day. It's waking up on a Thursday, and to be honest, you're, you're, just, you're really struggling. There's some stuffs happening in the week and you're like, oh, and it's inviting you into that. It's acknowledging his presence in the good times. It's acknowledging his presence in the tough times. It's about relationship. And so let's not fall in this trap of it being just an experience-based thing. It's about relationship. And so as I go through and as I unpack some of the metaphors that the Bible uses for the Holy Spirit, know that the first thing is it's about relationship. He wants a relationship with you. He wants a relationship with me. And maybe if you haven't had that before, it can start tonight. That would be exciting. The first metaphor of the Holy Spirit I want to look at, I've got four to go through. Um, and I'll, I'll, We'll get from reading swiftly because I want to get into just encountering the Holy Spirit for a little bit. Um, and we're going to look at the dove. Um, and if you've got your Bibles, we're going to look, read from uh, Luke 3, and, it says, and it's verse 21 to 22. It says this, it says, One day, when the crowds were being baptized, Jesus himself was baptized. And as he was praying, the heavens opened and the Holy Spirit in bodily form descended on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, You are my dearly loved son, and you bring me great joy. You know, we often associate the dove with peace. But where does that come from? Well, we've got to go back to Genesis 8, we've got to go back to Noah's Ark. You know, and we see that where God sends you know, essentially his wrath, his judgment onto the world to clear it, to purge it all its unrighteousness. And you know we see that Noah builds an ark, and just as the waters begin to subside, he sends out the dove. And he sends out the dove to try and find dry land, to try and find dry, dry land. I've been reading a, a bit of a book on that, um, Yungi Cho's book on the Holy Spirit. He, he was talking about this passage, and he says this about the dove, and it's quite really significant. So listen, um, it says, the first evidence to show that the peace had returned to the earth, and that the judgment and the wrath of God had passed away, was the dove. Do you see why the Holy Spirit appearing on Jesus' baptism was significant? Let me read that again. Because the first evidence to show that the peace had returned on the earth and that the judgment and wrath of God had passed away was the dove. You see, tonight, the Holy Spirit's not about bringing judgment. He's not about delivering the wrath of God into your lives. Thank goodness for that, yeah? He's about reminding us of the peace, that peace has returned to us through what Jesus did. It's why the dove came and rested on Jesus, because it shows him that, in Jesus, Jesus took the wrath of God on himself. That it may pass over you, that it may pass over me because he's taking it on himself. And I think that's pretty spectacularly amazing. That's pretty amazing that Jesus has taken it. He lived a perfect life and he died a sinner's death. Your death and my death. That he would suffer the wrath that we, sh- we wouldn't need to. How significant is that? And the Spirit comes, the Spirit always comes to point to to Jesus. And the Spirit, maybe if you don't really, maybe you're struggling a little bit with this idea of of Jesus and and understanding the fullness of what Jesus did for you on Calvary. then the Holy Spirit comes because what he does, he, he wants to remind you that peace is there and available for you through what Jesus did. You no longer have to carry your sin. You no longer have to carry your shame because Jesus took it upon himself. He took the full wrath of God. All your stuff you've ever done wrong upon himself and was crucified for you because he loved you. And the Spirit comes to remind us of that. You know, when the dove comes to Noah, it comes to signify, it sort of, and it brings back the olive leaf, it signifies a new start for the world. It signifies a new start for the world and the Spirit wants to come to maybe for some of us, and actually give us a new start, a fresh start. Like that dove came back with the olive and it was a new day. You know, the floods had gone, the unrighteousness had been flooded away, and it was a new day starting. You know, and the Spirit comes to just remind us of that today. The second metaphor I want to look at, if it's okay, is, is the metaphor of water and the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit being like water. It says this in John 7, 38 and 39. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink, for the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. And when he said living water, he was speaking of the spirit who would, be, who would be given to everyone believing in him. But the spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet entered into his glory. Water is vital to our preservation of life, isn't it? If we don't have water, we die. Our bodies is made up of about 70% water. It's super, super, super important that we have water in our lives. Now, In our spiritual lives, we need water. We need the Holy Spirit. Our spiritual lives die without the Holy Spirit. You know, And if you don't have water in the natural, what happens to you? You become dehydrated, don't you? you know. And so I wondered, well, in, in the spiritual, we become dehydrated as well. I wonder if you've been to that place where you feel a bit spiritually dehydrated. And so I looked at what di- being dehydrated actually means. And I went on the NHS website because I felt like I could trust them to give me an answer. Hopefully, I was We're done in. We've all Googled sort of symptoms on the H. And and it says this about dehydration. It says, Dehydration is when your body is losing more fluids than you're taking in. Now sometimes it's easy to be preoccupied in the things of life and we're just giving and we're giving and we're giving and we're giving. We're giving into our families. We're giving into into our workplaces. We're giving into our churches, whatever it is. And it's good stuff. But we need to be receiving as well. Because if we're giving out more than we're receiving, we become dehydrated. I know times in my own life where I've become spiritually dehydrated. There's times where I've just done, in church things sometimes, where good church things, and I've been serving youth programs, and I've been doing this and this and that, and I've just got to the point of feeling dehydrated because I haven't been receiving enough. We need to make sure that in the preservation of our spiritual lives, we take time to be rehydrated by the Holy Spirit. Because when I, when, I, when I spend time in the Spirit, I realize that I give better when I receive better. Now, I can give out better when I've received better. When I'm serving out of a place of overflow, I give better. When I'm draining the right time to the bottom of what I've, the reserves of what I've got left, that isn't the best of myself. That, I'm not giving the best of what God's got for me. Now, he's got, he, wants to give, he wants me to give out the overflow. And all that it requires is us to sit down and say, God, we fill me again? You know, I've become dry. I've become a bit empty. And maybe there's some of us here tonight that maybe you feel a bit like that. You feel a bit dusty, a bit dry. And the Spirit wants to come and just refresh you. And just fill you again. We need to make time for His presence. It says this in Isaiah 44, 3-4. Um, to four. It says, For I'll pour water on your thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I'll pour my spirit on your offspring and blessing on your descendants. You know, in those dry places, he loves to come. He loves to come and bring his living water and flow through it. And the transformation you'll feel from the dry place of being like, everything's hard when you're dry. Everything's difficult when you're dry. You're just like, uh, you're, and basically you're walking through your, your lives and, you're giving out and you give out, but actually it just doesn't feel right. But we've got to give out of that overflow place. This place of overflow. The second thing about water and how it kind of it, it paints a picture of what the spirit does is water is a cleaner, isn't it? It cleans us. You know, we need to be. If we want to be clean, we've got to be washing regularly. Okay. There's a couple here that maybe take some notes about now. I'll joke it, but you know, actually, it's true that we need to be washing regularly. You know, if we want to be clean, we've got to be washing regularly, and it's the same with our spiritual lives that we need to make sure that we're being cleaned regularly. You know, I love a wet wipe as much as the next bloke. But actually, if I want to be cleaned, I've got to be washed by the water. You know, I've got to be washed by the water. And sometimes in our lives, sin can begin to just sort of like stick to us. And it's a bit like the dust. And if you walk around in in a sort of enough, just outside, stuff begins to stick to you. And you begin to feel a bit dirty and grimy. By the end of the day, you need a shower just to wash that stuff off you. And sin has the same effect. It just, sin sticks. You know, sometimes we can have the same approach to sin that I have to clean my bedroom. And what that is, is kind of like, you know, yeah, sort of like, I'll shove it under the bed until it causes me a problem. You know, and once it starts to like leave a bump in my mattress, at that point, then I'll start to sort it out. And actually, you know, it's so much easier if I'm cleaning my room, just to be picking things up as we go. And in a spiritual life, we need to be doing that as well. We need to be being cleaned daily, regularly, to make sure that we're not sort of being sort of like held down by sin and being caught up in the dirtiness of it. I some, you know, that when you're dirty, you smell in the natural, don't you? So if you haven't cleaned for a while, I don't want to convict anybody here tonight. I'm not, I'm not trying to bring conviction. Some of you are going, oh no, I've, oh, this is, I feel, I feel, really convicted now. But you know, we we do we smell when we're not clean. When we, when, we, when we haven't showered enough, we smell a bit. And the same is true of our spiritual lives. When we're not clean, we smell. You leave a fragrance. I don't know if you know this. When you walk into a room, you leave a fragrance. And when we're not clean, and we walk in with sin in the room, we walk in, people go, oh, is that bitterness? Oh, oh. Is that selfishness? Oh, is that greed? Oh. But when we get the fragrance, when we're cleaned by the Holy Spirit, when we're clean, we smell better, don't we? You walk into a room and it's not like it's more like is that love? Is that is that is that kindness? Is that freedom? And you see the difference, you know. Actually, the Holy Spirit wants to come and clean us so that we leave a fragrance of Himself into that room. We walk into the room and we leave a fragrance of who he is. We walk into a room and we leave some of his patience, some of his goodness, some of his kindness, some of his faithful, faithfulness, all of his fruits that he gives us. And rather than walking into a room and be like, oh, that's sin. It's like, is that spirit? That's, is that the Holy Spirit? Because that will make a difference in, in the rooms that you walk into this week. If you smell like the Holy Spirit. Are you clean this evening? Maybe Not just a physical, so this is, not, this is not me again. I'm not saying it. Are you clean this it's, it's a, are you clean is is there stuff in your life where you know actually there's just sin begins to mount a little bit and maybe it's just like you know we're cleaning my room and you know you've left it a little bit too long since the last time when you actually were clean the holy spirit can come tonight and just clean you up he's so gentle and so kind and gracious he just comes yeah it yeah, takes it washes away that stuff like the water in a shower just washes away that dirt Third metaphor, and look at of the uh, Holy Spirit's oil. We see the oil all the way through the Old Testament being used in connection with anointing. Uh, it says this in 1 Samuel 16:13. So as David stood there among his brothers, Samuel took the flask of olive oil he had brought and anointed David with the oil. And the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. Now people and places that God anoints are things that are holy. What do I mean when I say holy? Oh, I mean Set apart for God's purposes. You know, set apart for God's purposes. In Exodus 30, God instructs Moses to anoint the tabernacle with oil. You know, he, he says anoint all of it. He anoints all the instruments, everything the tabernacle he anoints. You know, the Holy Spirit sets you apart and he wants to sanctify you. He wants to pour his oil on you to make you holy. To set you apart. To make you his. Set apart for his purposes. You now, He calls you this morning, this evening, whenever it is. It's light outside. He calls you a royal priest, a holy nation, God's own possession. And sometimes we look at our lives and go, yeah, but Josh, yeah, but I'm not good enough for that. I'm not confident enough for that. I haven't got the right skills, abilities to be able to do anything significant, significant for God. But the Holy Spirit comes with his oil and he anoints you and he sets you apart. Now, he sets you apart for the, t- the task that he has for you. And I think that's pretty special. You know, in Exodus 3, God says this to Moses just after telling him he's going to, he wants him to anoint the, whole, you know, the tabernacle with what he says. Consecrate them. This is talking about the instruments and all the stuff within the tabernacle. Consecrate them to make them absolutely holy. After this, whatever touches them will also become holy. You know, when you're set apart, when you're holy, there's a transference on the things that you touch. There's some of the holiness that can transfer you, that you walk into a room and you can bring an element of holiness into the rooms that you walk into. And, you know, as, as, as you know, in, in that instance where, you know, anything that you touched that had been anointed by the oil became holy, there's things actually around you that you can walk into a room that's unholy and bring some of the holiness of the Holy Spirit into that situation. Are you with me? Are you with me? The second thing about oil is oil greases, it lubricates things. It keeps things moving, as it should, keeps things moving smoothly. It relieves the friction on moving parts. Now, things move more smoothly when we're in the Spirit. Our families, our churches, our marriages, this is from an observation point, not my own experience, obviously. Our general relationships need the Holy Spirit, need the oil to begin to just grease up some stuff. Because sometimes things can become a bit hard. And I don't know tonight. So maybe some areas in your life, maybe some areas in in your family life, in your, in your marriage, that that you've just kind of got to a point, and it's become difficult, and it's not working as it should, or it's not working as it as it as it once did. And the Holy Spirit tonight can come and just begin to just grease up some of those things. But He needs an invitation. You know, when we invite Him and say, Holy Spirit, will you come into our families and grease up those bits that are just like rubbing together and it's just like that friction. Will you come and just reduce that? Will you come and just make it move and operate how it should? He's so faithful and he comes and does it for us because he's the oil. My final metaphor is this, is of the wind. You know, the wind, essentially in the Greek, is, is exactly the same word as the spirit. Uh, you know, literally, the Holy Spirit, literally translated in Greek, means the holy wind. You know, and Jesus is talking to Nicodemus in John 3, and he says this, he says, Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Holy Spirit. You know, the thing about the wind is... The wind's going in a direction. I have no power to say to the wind, wind, my hair, you're messing my hair up right now. I need you to, I need you to tran- change direction because otherwise my toupee is going to blow off, and it's going to be a disaster. You know, I, I have no ability to do that because the Holy Spirit is moving in a direction. Holy Spirit is, in, sorry, the wind's moving in a direction. Holy Spirit is so intentional about the direction that He moves. He doesn't move in a direction by accident. He's always got an intention. You know, sometimes as Christians, we're pretty good at telling the Holy Spirit how he should be moving. Yeah, yeah, you need to be moving like you did the Welsh revival, Holy Spirit. You need to be moving like how you did when Arthur Wallace did it. You know, actually, Holy Spirit has a plan for now. He wants to move in a fresh way. There's fresh ways that he wants to move. And so rather than telling him how he should be moving, we should be people going, how would you want to move? How can we be part of the direction that you're heading? In Acts 15, we see a letter being written to the church in Antioch. It says this, it says, We understand that some men from here have troubled you and upset you from from their teaching, but we didn't send them. So we have decided, having come to complete agreement, to send you official representatives, along with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We are sending Judas and Silas to confirm that what we have decided concerning your question. For, listen to this bit. For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay no greater burden on you than these few requirements. It goes on to then essentially give some requirements of how the church in Antioch should live. But I love that bit in verse 28 where it says, for it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. You know, sometimes we get into this thing of thinking we know best. It's not, he doesn't come into alignment with us. We come into alignment with him. You know, it's not about it's not about we've made a decision. And he's going to back us up. It's him. It's him that we need to follow him. It's his decisions. We need to be consulting him in the everyday things. You know, I know this is a struggle in my own life. And actually, when I actually do, I sometimes I struggle to you know get up and say, God, where are you taking me today? Will you lead? Will you take over? It's so easy just to just go, Yeah, I yeah, I know what I'm doing. And we get caught in this trap of and almost like, Yes, yeah, Spirit will follow me. He'll, yeah, he'll catch up, he'll catch up. But he goes ahead. In Acts 16, the Holy Spirit forbids the apostles from going and preaching the gospel into Asia. And you're going, oh, what? What the blazes, Holy Spirit? What are you doing? Preaching, Surely preaching the gospel in Asia is a good thing. But it wasn't what he had for them at the time. It wasn't what he had for them at the time. And we need to be people who follow what the Holy Spirit's direction because he knows the overall plan. He doesn't just see into the temporary like we do. He sees into the eternal. He knows what's going to happen long term. So we need to be depending on him. I love this bit. It said that it seemed good for the Holy Spirit and to us. The Holy Spirit knows best. It's good for the Holy Spirit and it's good for us. When we follow the Holy Spirit, it's good for us too. Because the Holy Spirit knows what's best for us. Amen? He does, doesn't he? He knows which direction is best for us. We think we know. We don't know. He knows. The final thing about wind is it's pathway. powerful wave. Do you want to just come and tinkle away? I wonder if you've ever walked on a really windy day. You know, and, you, know you kind of walk into the wind and you walk out and it's almost physically blown you back and you're like trying to like, walk through and it's like blowing you back as you're walking. The wind has power to it. The wind is powerful. It's so powerful that it can change and it can shape landscapes just by its sheer power. You know, we know that in Acts 1-8, as I've used earlier, we're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on us. And we need to be people of power in our communities. And we're people of power when what? When we're full of the Holy Spirit. When When we don't have the Holy Spirit, we're powerless. We have nothing. Holy Spirit is our power. And sometimes there's a lot of people sat in church seats and pews who've lost a bit of their power. They've lost a bit of their dependency on the Holy Spirit, they've become interdependent. In, inter, independent. What is it? Independent. Independent. You know, and we, we, can, we can become that sometimes too. And so maybe if you feel like you've just lost some of that dependency, you are lost some of your power, the Spirit wants to come and just refresh that in you. I don't need to tell you the world needs Jesus. I don't need to tell you that the world outside there needs the presence of God to come and fill it, to come and heal it, to come and restore it. Take a walk, open a
1: newspaper,
0: look, look on Facebook or something. It's all around us. The Holy Spirit has the power to heal physically, emotionally, spiritually. He has the power to deliver. He has the power to refresh. He has the power to remotivate. He has the power to redirect. And we need His presence. But so do the people. So do the people out there. Maybe you need, you need to see the manifestation of God's presence today in your life. You need to, you need to see God to do something in your life today. And that's cool. But you, you've got to know there's a reason behind it. There's a, there's a whole community out there who don't know, who need the power. And so when He makes manifest the power in you, when He begins to fill you with His Holy Spirit, that you are powerful. And you, as you walk out there, you don't just walk into just things and just not make a difference. on a passive you walk in and like the wind, you have the capabilities to change landscapes and shape landscapes. Because there's some landscapes in our communities and all of our spheres of life that are not the way that God intends them to be. They're, they are the way the enemy has got them having looked. You know, and there's there's things in our schools, there's things in our in our families that we look at and go, that's just not what you've got, God. That's not the best. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, you have the capability. I have the capability to be able to shape and define landscape through what he's doing. And it's always in his direction. Let me not, this is, don't be confused about you going out and just going out and boom, 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 boom. It's in his direction that he's going to take you with him. You're not going to take him with you. We're going to come to finish and... I wonder if you'd just stand with me for a second. I'm just kind of receive some of the Holy Spirit. Wherever you're at this morning, this evening, the Holy Spirit wants to come. Whatever point of your journey you're on, wherever you feel like you, how you feel like you're doing tonight, He wants to come. Maybe for some of us, we need to understand the fullness of what Jesus did for us. And the Holy Spirit wants to come and remind us of the peace and that the wrath of God has been passed passed over you for what Jesus did. Maybe some of us feel a bit spiritually dehydrated and we just need a rehydration. Maybe some of us feel a bit dirty, a bit grubby, a bit grimy and we need a clean. Maybe some of us need to know that we are holy, that we are sanctified, that we are set apart for God's purposes. Maybe there's some things that need some oiling up, some greasing up. Some things that haven't been working smoothly. And we need to invite the Holy Spirit to begin to help them work without friction again. Maybe he wants to redirect you this, this evening. Maybe he just wants to fill you with his power. That you'll take him into a lost generation. Into a generation that needs him to workplaces that need him. So wherever you're at, wherever you feel like you need the spirit to come, just put your hands up before him if you would. Just, just like in a receiving position. Again, we're just we're just sort of you know, bringing into unity our, our bodies and our spirits in the same position. and Just begin to receive whatever he's got for you tonight. Holy Spirit, come. Bring your wind, God. Let us know the water of your presence, the living water. Let us be dripping in the oil of your Spirit. Just receive whatever God's got for you.
1: Thank you.